0: Good, morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome once again to the Full Stack Journey Podcast. Thanks for joining me today. I am very excited to have a special guest with us today. Uh, his name is Ed Horley. I'll give Ed a, a moment to introduce himself um as i mentioned in the last episode of the podcast we're going to transition just a little bit now to start talking to some folks who are a little more specialized not that they're not making their own sort of journey in in multiple disciplines but we want to dive a little deeper into some specific areas so that over time as you are listening to the full stack journey podcast you'll get a lot of exposure to a lot of different areas and i think that will really enhance sort of the journey of of embracing all of these different different disciplines in IT. So we're really excited about that. This will be the first episode in a series of episodes doing that. Um, once again, joining me today is Ed Horley. Ed, why don't you take a minute and introduce yourself?
1: Well, thanks so much for having me, Scott. I really appreciate it. Uh, for those that don't know me, I guess normally I go by the crazy IPv6 dude <laughs> for a <laughs> for, uh, for sort of my community work around uh, IPv6, so I'm on the California V6 Task Force and and others. But funny, uh, sort of a funny aside, uh, that's not my day-to-day sort of job. I actually spend a a tremendous amount of time actually working on on cloud. I actually run the cloud practice for a small integrator VAR out here in in California in Silicon Valley. And uh, so I really spend the majority of my time working on AWS, Azure, uh, and all the associated things that go along with that. And in addition, obviously have a team of individuals that uh, are... You know, help support the work that we do around around cloud, but uh, I, I still get to dabble in V6. They still let me do that.
0: <laughs> well, that, that's good, and, and we're, we're all the better for it. Excellent. Uh, so kind of jumping off your, your mention there, Ed, of the fact that you're leading a team with the cloud practice for your employer – uh, you know, you and I ran into each other a couple months ago, I think it was at the DevOps for networking forum out in California. And we were chatting and you were talking about sort of the challenges in your own career as you transition from a little less of a technical focused role, not that you're not technical, but now focusing to kind of add this business awareness and, and, and your know, career development, team leadership, management, all that kind of stuff. And I think that's something that a lot of the listeners would really find very useful because a lot of us I know, even in my own career i 'm facing the kind of the choice of continuing along the individual contributor track or moving into the management track and 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 i 'm really interested in knowing some of the challenges and and some of the things you've you 've come along uh, that way before we jump into that though i 'm just curious you know you 've probably listened to the podcast before you know we 're kind of talking about this thing about being a full stack engineer i 'd love to hear your view of of what that looks like
1: yeah yeah it's so a great podcast. I really love uh, some of the guests you 've had on so Brent's always humble <laughs> when he when he says he knows nothing uh, it makes me feel like I really really know nothing um, but but uh, yeah for the for the full stack engineer side, I mean um, I, I feel like we're always learning um, for me as you know I actually have formal training as an engineer, I guess I have a civil engineering degree, not that that means much in the in the tech world, but um, I think just the journey portion of of trying to get a better understanding about how to build. Better solutions for businesses uh, for solving particular needs uh, is is really probably what it encompasses overall. And there's sort of the top-down approach, which is you're an application developer and you can learn more and more and more going down the stack. And I think what's happening in the industry right now for those of us that sort of existed in the uh in sort of the maybe the IT pro community is that we're moving more and more up the stack uh to to sort of be able to interface better with those that are that are building the applications for the business that are really sort of solving those core functional problems and for so long we've probably had to operate in, in in sort of building base infrastructure and once you get to a point where you're, I guess you understand base infrastructure so for I'll make analogies back to my civil engineering days once we have clean water clean sewers uh, you know or, or functioning sewers and and above our, you know Rail systems and roads and bridges and everything else that allows that, your economy can flourish because you can get better and more specialized at doing things. But you still need generalists who sort of understand how everything works end to end to to sort of make society work uh, to, and to be better organized. And I think uh, the business application owners and and those that are that are working in that area are solving very specific business functions. And traditionally, we just on seen ourselves sort of in a support role to do that. Um, I think we're moving further and further up the stack and, and, and doing a better job of, of having a better understanding of what those business requirements are and how they impact us and what we do in the business overall. Um, everyone has a different journey along that and, and um, I want to embrace all of them. But uh, the reality is I don't consider myself a full-stack engineer. I'm far too narrow, <laughs> at least day-to-day, if you're only working in, in one specific area. I think the good thing about cloud is that it really does open up. And I mean, in, in general, like working on public clouds or private clouds really does open you up to everything that happens in the ecosystem. You may not know everything in detail, but you certainly get a good exposure to a lot of different things, which is a, a great experience. The other thing that I really love about what's going on right now is that you could take someone who um, – uh, uh straight out of school and have them dive into you know sort of cloud constructs and maybe they don't have to carry necessarily all the baggage that we carry around with us from being you know years in the industry I think you you, you end up uh, carrying a lot of mindset and mentalities and pre-assumptions when you walk in and, and you're trying to work on on those sort of business related issues and and being younger you're sort of freed from a lot of that and there's a there's something very neat about seeing that for for younger folks who are coming up. In the industry right now, if you're mentoring and you're talking with folks and having them dive straight in, they don't have any of those preconceived notions about how we used to build infrastructure, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right there. I think one of the biggest challenges in helping people evolve along the journey to whatever we're going to end up becoming, and, and I'll, I'll come back to some of the points that you've made, which I think were excellent points in just a moment, but one of the biggest challenges has been just helping them to get over those preconceived notions of, of what infrastructure is or what an infrastructure engineer looks like or what it means to be uh, a programmer or a network engineer or a systems admin or whatever the case may be, whatever they've been doing for, for however many years they've been in, in the industry. So I absolutely agree that it's a, it's a great time to, to be mentoring. And if, you know, I'll just shout out to the listeners if, if you, ever get the opportunity to do some mentoring, I think it's a, it's a fabulous thing to do, a great way to pass on, um, whatever you've been blessed with in in your career. Yeah. And it's it's sort of interesting. It's also a reminder
1: about, um, uh, it's also a reminder or, or sort of refreshing to see someone's sort of young viewpoint to bring something in and say, well, why are you doing it that way? And questioning everything you're doing, right? It gets back to that. You know, why do you have, you know, your toddlers always ask you why, 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 um, and it sort of comes back to that again. You know, like, oh, well, maybe I need to rethink some of the things that I'm doing, which, is, oh. which isn't always horrible.
0: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. There have been instances in the past where, you know, I have joined a team and they said, your greatest value to this, to this team is, is that you don't already have the preconceived notions of, of how things are done. And so you can bring a fresh perspective to that. And ask us why we're doing something that way, and, and that may allow us to find an area of, of improvement or, or an area where we can increase our efficiency. Yep, yeah, agreed. So one one key thing that I heard from you is that uh, is that there's a there's a, a piece I think a lot of technologists really overlook, and that's a focus on the business. I think a lot of times technologists will. Get so wrapped up around the technology or technologies in which they're they're working, whether that be you know cloud computing or whether it be you know networking storage compute, whatever the case may be, and a lot of times they lose sight of what that means to the business and it sounds like that's something that you've had to kind of tackle head on as you've you know moved a little more into the management track would you would you say that's that's been true or
1: yeah, so for me, it's it's sort of twofold. Um, so I work for a VAR integrator, and, and you know we obviously do professional services and consulting for a lot of companies. So your business focus that way, right? You're really trying to solve problems for customers. Um, and traditionally, for me in a role in the past, I was an individual contributor, right? So coming in as a subject matter expert, and be, you're trying to address a, a specific technical need or requirement for that customer to solve their business problem. Um, I've learned a whole new set of, of, business skills being on the other side of the fence of, of realizing that I have, you know, uh, running a practice and, and having a number on my head, number one, from a sales, sales perspective. But then in addition, um, working around career development, uh, being strategic, the diff- understanding the difference between, uh, sort of strategic outlook, uh, so the difference between working on the business for, versus working in the business and, and really trying to map out you know, what we're doing, why we're tackling certain technologies, why we're learning certain things, and aligning that to people's career goals to make sure that, you know, you can have, you know, happy people on your team, because happy people on your team are actually far more productive than people that are not happy, <laughs> which is, which is the whole human element side. Um, and it's, it's it's intuitively obvious. And you you see this day to day when people are excited, and they're working on things they are far more productive, and, and they're happy to come into work. Um, there are obviously things that you have to deal with from a personnel perspective that are very different. And, uh, and that's a whole new skill set for myself. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm an introvert classic, you know, sort of classic definition of an introvert by any means, but, but I do have certain aspects of, of personality that I have to start recognizing, you know, among myself, among my team members, and, and in my management team upstream of me about how I have to do things. And, uh, that's a huge skill of just sort of recognizing. And then, there's the whole debate about individual contributor, continue to be technical. Can you give people those career paths to continue to be individual contributors, can continue to be very deep technically, but give them the growth, the, you know, the uh, opportunities and everything else that they want to do without having to feel like they have to switch to a management track or that you give them the wide enough opportunity to sort of figure out where they fit in the ecosystem and allow them to perhaps go wider and become, you know, a full stack engineer. In other words, uh, gain additional skill sets and adjacent technologies and continue to work on that, um, you know, for however long they want to at at your company and the opportunities you provide. So those are a lot of like net new skills that I've been – I'm still working on. I mean, face it, I mean, I'm I'm – I read multiple books <laughs> a week month uh, because I'm just trying to learn a lot more about what's happening in in management, why business is focused on what it's doing, why I get some of the some of the answers back that I get, <laughs> which sometimes doesn't align with what you know the intuitive things that I think should should happen for the business there's There's a lot of interesting things that happen that are completely un unrelated to technology um, and have a lot more to do with uh, financial motivations uh positioning in the market, things like that. Um, that traditionally i just never paid attention to i was solving a technical problem right and and trying to give them the best solution for that
0: there is a, just a, a ton of information that i would love to unpack out of what you just said i mean there are so many fascinating pieces that i think would be so useful to the listeners i mean i i just just out of all of that i mean there's probably half a dozen things that i'd love to ask but one thing i i think would be really helpful could you could you unpack a little bit or dive in a little bit on this idea of the strategic outlook I mean I think that's I think that's something that we a lot of times lose sight of like we we get so caught in the day-to-day tactical making solving the technology problems that we may not be kind of stepping back and looking at the bigger picture is that is that kind of what you're thinking or talking about there
1: yeah, and this is this is a journey for me because I, I traditionally haven't done this uh, as an engineer. Everything was tactical for me. Uh, you know, learn a uh, new technology, learn how to implement it, and learn how to you know operate it, um, and then learn how to uh, you know continue to to maintain it going forward and migrate to the next technology that's either leapfrogging it or or uh, or is the next interesting thing. And 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 uh, I didn't really have a strategic outlook at all about how either both my personal career was working, but anyone else around me uh i had to learn how to change that we we do regular stand-up meetings um uh, for 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 my team um and i do something a little different where i host off sites uh the goal being is we're trying to get rid of all distractions we have I, I do different ones per per quarter and per month and the monthly ones are all tactical we got a list set of to-do items that we want to hammer through we need to hammer through with all of these items as a team we get in a room we collaborate we knock all those out and that's great and engineers totally know how to do that because that's you know just in your wheelhouse and as a team we try and get that stuff done but i what i do once a quarter is i actually do strategic things like and and we sit down and do the same sort of off-site work but it's it's all about where do we want to go why do we want to go there and what's important about you know these particular technologies should we be adopting them should we be putting them in some sort of workflow of solutions that we're doing and then what's happening in the general you know sort of business market and climate and and what's driving the behaviors about why certain technologies are being adopted uh and that and that's really that's been a learning curve for me I'm, I'm not particularly great at it uh and so i really try to leverage what i see other people in the industry that are that are doing stuff well that way you know certainly there are really good people who are technologists who have very good strategic thinking capabilities i think uh it's very interesting and, and many of them are, are, are entrepreneurs in their own right, right? Because they're seeing sort of around corners, right? They're seeing very early where something is trending and they're saying, Hey, there's a business opportunity here to be strategic with a piece of technology to solve these sort of business related problems. And that's I, I admire that skill very much. As someone who grew up in Silicon Valley, um I get to see it quite a bit. <laughs> Doesn't mean I'm any good at it, but but I do get to see a lot of people who who have that sort of vision and, and it happens in a wide variety of fields, but but for me, specifically in technology, I really think, uh, trying to open up to understand how strategic things play out can, can be beneficial in a couple of different ways. Obviously, it benefits your business. But in addition, it benefits you personally because you have an understanding about where the industry is going overall and building on that whole concept around a full stack engineer, adding skill sets to your portfolio, having more tools on your tool belt, uh, of understanding where, um, a piece of technology is going to impact something in, in your ecosystem of customers you either support or at your company itself or even uh, adjacent companies that uh, you may want to have an opportunity to move to having a good comprehensive understanding of how those technologies work and how their strategic goals align are really going to help you build the right set of skills. Um it's one thing to say hey, you know, public cloud is the new hotness and I need to go learn AWS really thoroughly. It's a whole different thing to say uh the reason that uh, people are adopting cloud is for the agility, the 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 fact that uh, you know, business owners can can have much lower friction to be able to go out and test things within an environment to go see if this works for their particular customer base, and and then understanding, hey, the next evolution of that is 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 things like containers. It's things like you know, um, you know, like like lambda, you know, function, serverless computing, right? And and what's going on in that market, and and saying, hey, which ones do I want to pay attention to? Which ones do I think are going to be important to the particular industry that I'm that I'm involved with, and how can those be leveraged, right? And that's. That's thinking strategically as opposed to tactical. Tactical is about how I get from A to B, uh, you know, sort of day to day of saying, "Hey, I want to learn serverless. I'm going to go learn, you know, Lambda or Azure Function or whatever other service you want to you want to make use of." I think the bigger picture is is, is mapping that out and then mapping your own career alignments or working with your management team to map your career alignments out. Uh, uh, sort of that process is, isn't very clear. We do a really poor job sort of passing that along and teaching it to other individuals. And certainly, you know, this late in my career, why the heck am I learning this now? Well, it's sort of forced to because of the, of the management side.
0: Right, right. So let me, let me kind of just recap that for the listeners. I want to make sure that I, that I got this right. It sounds like that we need to shift from being kind of reactive uh, to user example, you know, okay, AWS is the new hotness. I'm going to go learn how to use AWS, which is kind of ironic because I'll have a podcast coming up about learning AWS, but (laughs) <laughs> uh, instead of looking at it that way, we should be looking at it instead. What are the, the deeper trends that are occurring? What is driving the adoption of AWS or containers or function as a service like Lambda or others? And once we get in tune with sort of the deeper trends that are driving these more surface observations – then we can begin to be more proactive about where we're going to go with our career instead of reacting to whatever is popping up and becoming sort of the hype of the day. Instead, we can take a deeper look and say, this is where the businesses are going for these reasons. And then that will help us look at a longer-term view for where our our career needs to go personally, but also where our business needs to go.
1: Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. That That's exactly yeah, it's exactly correct because I think at the end of the day, you're worth more to your company if you're able to solve their strategic biz- business need requirements. And if that goes in a particular direction that you can see and you already have those skill sets, you're moving up in terms of your value worth of within, within that organization. And I'm not saying that's strictly everything that should be important within your career. There may be times when you want to pivot and you feel it's far more important to reinvest in yourself and move a different direction than maybe where your business is going. And that is completely acceptable. But I just think... Um, if you're going to take the opportunity and the time to invest in your career and invest in the skill sets that you have uh, in in the development of your sort of full-stack engineering, you know, more tools on the tool belt, I think that that process really needs to be part of how you make decisions about what technologies you're going to adopt. And just like you and I started in very specific areas, you know, for yourself, for virtualization, that's really where you built your namespace within VMware, you know so much more than just that. But the reason that you know so much more is because you made choices about saying hey I've got an itch the industry is moving or changing in this particular way and I want to understand why it's doing that right I want to understand why you know networking is doing the interesting things and the transformation that it, that industry is going over with you know SDN NFV and you know automation and and everything and config management and everything else that's going else that's going on in there and what impact that's going to have in other areas and this is true for everyone to have that sort of I'm not saying you need to see around corners But you need to lift up from the keyboard occasionally and look out and say, okay, what's going on in the industry? What impact is that going to have on my career? And can I do, you know, you can be proactive on this. You can go to your management team and say, hey, you know, what skills are you guys looking for? What What's the business need? What's driving all of that? And can I go learn those skill sets? And can I build a career path with those skill sets that my management team can get, get behind? They'll fund me. They'll train me. They'll provide me opportunities to go to conferences. They'll let me... Learn this new, net new technology that expands both my skill sets, but also my career. And then it is adding value to the business. So it's a win, win, win all the way around. I think that's sort of the goals that you should strive for is sort of making win opportunities all the way. Um, if you have the misfortune of working for a company that's very negative on all that sort of stuff, maybe that's the opportunity to say, I want to learn a new skill set on my own and maybe go find a net new <laughs> opportunity too, right? So, so I think that's, and that, and this is true for employers, right? Is, is the reverse side is, what do you need to do to make sure that your engineers are happy and 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 that their their careers are developing the right way, so that they don't want to leave? Because, um, you know, as someone who's working here in Silicon Valley, where engineering resources are incredibly expensive, and and the opportunities to jump from one company to the other is is very very easy. That's a lot of work. You have to spend a lot of time and energy to actually work on that particular aspect of of career development to make sure that your engineers are happy, that they're getting the opportunity to work on the projects that are really important, that they feel like they're bringing value to the business. And there's, you know, intangibles that go about this. If you don't feel like your contribution is actually making uh, an impact to the bottom line and you're not able to articulate how their impact of what they're working on. How that impacts the business, whether it's a revenue number, whether it's performance, you know, whether it's perception that, uh, by the, you know, by your customer base, all those things are important things to be able to communicate back to your team,
0: and 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 that's a that's a totally new skill for me. So it sounds like, and and this is not news to me, but I, I want to call it out specifically. In order for us to really be able to take a step back and look at these deeper trends. We really need to be more in tune than we are currently with the business side of things
1: yeah I would I would say absolutely I think one of the things the biggest mistakes that many many people that are in IT and, and maybe engineering in general um, is that uh, you don't step back and understand what your functional role is within the company but also what problems and and what solutions your company brings to the table overall uh, are you attending conferences that are just generic? Uh, amongst your industry, besides just being solely technology focused, are you actually attending the ones that your industry is in, right? Your business is, is in a particular industry. If you work for, you know, uh, a division of GE that builds rail cars and your, uh, in IT support, do you actually understand what you're delivering as a product? Do you actually go out and attend, even once, attend any of those sort of conferences or, or, um, you know, sort of business meet and greets and understand what those people are actually concerned about in their industry overall? Uh, is the biggest concern, you know, uh, you know, fuel consumption is the biggest concern, you know, uh, how the infrastructure is being maintained. Is it the biggest concern, you know, sensor and automation equipment, you know, what's actually driving some of the things that they're trying to solve from a business perspective. You can bring that back to your team and say, these are the biggest issues that, you know, our executives are sitting around talking around the table about, is there anything that we're working on that directly impacts that? We should focus on that. (laughs) All right. And hopefully your management team is doing this for you downstream, but sometimes there's a disconnect. And in, in IT, especially in, you know, corporate IT, often you get decoupled from sort of what your business is doing day to day and what they're providing. And you have a misunderstanding about what's actually important. And sometimes it's important to step back. Maybe it's once a quarter, um, maybe it's, you know, twice a year, but step back and actually understand what your business is doing and are you aligned with it and, um, that's That's a hard thing to do as an individual contributor who's technical and you're saying, "Hey, my skill set is in this particular area, and I really need to focus and spend my time there." Uh, but you really should understand what impact your specialty has on the business overall and where you fit.
0: Is there something is there a recommendation perhaps you could make? and, and I, I think I think maybe not, just because of the you know such the, the wide variety of of industries that are out there, but is there something kind of generic enough that maybe you could recommend to listeners to say, hey, if you are interested in getting a better idea of what your business is all about and what the you know, what worries the executives of your of your business and in your industry, you know, kind of going back to your example of you know the rail industry, you know, is it is it sensory and, and therefore leading into perhaps Internet of Things? Is it fuel consumption? Is it materials cost? Is it infrastructure maintenance? Is it you know whatever, right? Uh, is there something generic enough that you could recommend to listeners to say, here, try this, or, or take a look at this resource perspective, whatever, to kind of get them started in understanding what the challenges of their business are? Is it as simple as simply going to your upstream management and saying, tell me what the challenges our business is facing? So there's,
1: there's a couple different ways. I <laughs> think I'm amazed how many people don't really know in much detail how, what their business actually does. Uh, which is fascinating to me as, as IT people that we don't spend a little bit more time looking at our own websites uh, and and what our marketing team is pushing out there and telling people and spending time talking. Almost every company has a sales team right, of some sort. You're selling something or providing something to a customer base, uh, whether that's business to business or business to consumer, it doesn't really matter. And and really talking to those individuals because they, they have a very intimate understanding about exactly why someone is choosing to purchase something from your particular company. And or or whether it's a service, whether it's a product uh, and your sales team is intimately involved in understanding the challenges about what's going on and why your product is or, or service is either failing or succeeding. And, and uh, you know, you don't have to have these all that often, but it's it, it is something to get to know those folks and uh, just just be able to uh, have those sort of water cooler conversations. Uh, as, as technical people, we we steer more and more towards I want to work from home and I'm able to get you know, put my headphones on and, and concentrate and, and have the quiet that I required in order to get a task accomplished. And that's, that's all really good. But I really do think that, you know, as funny as it sounds, you know, those, those corporate events where you're, everyone's getting together and, and, uh, you know, you're, you're just there to socialize. Those actually have value, <laughs> right? Of, of learning what's going on. There's a reason they host them besides just getting to, you know, getting to know your, your fellow, uh, employee and, and learning what they do as as a job, it's it's also important to understand um, and and get those opportunities to talk to you know sales teams and sale kickoffs. All those things are are are, are great ways to have a better understanding of what, what your business does and what's really sort of driving and important to them. And uh, and and those those other business units um, all have the same same thing going on, right? They have tactical work they have to do and they have strategic vision. Uh, and it's usually pretty easy to have the owner of that particular. Group within your company, whether it's sales or marketing or even finance, that tells you, hey, what's your strategic items that you're working on? They're usually pretty short and concise. And that's a great opportunity. You don't want to know every single tactical thing they're doing, but the strategic items that they're working on are certainly, uh, are, you know, shared vision, are, are, are easy are ass. Easy and if they don't have them, that probably is a pretty good leading indicator, too, about maybe their management style or, or where they sit um, in terms of uh, comprehending how important that might be to the business overall. And uh the the places that I've seen that do this very, very well, they have a an overall framework of a vision of what they're providing. Um they're able to describe very succinctly what uh what their company does, what what they're providing, and then each management organization or group within within that company is able to do the same thing for what their what their particular contribution to the business is. And um I never spent when I was younger I never spent any time really asking people about that. And I think that's something that uh, you know, if I were to talk to my you know twenty two year old self I'd probably be tapping on the shoulder and say, "Spend a little bit more time paying attention to that. It will probably help your career in in the long term
0: that's awesome, awesome, so kind of the key things I heard out of that were. Uh, one, you know, read, read your own company's website (laughs) and, and look at it not as a website, but actually read the content. Like, you know, if you're, if you're one of the guys that helps support the website, don't, don't worry about that part of it. You know, uh, actually look at the content and what, what your business is trying to get across to the consumers or partners uh, of your organization. And then just talk to uh, other people in your organization, particularly those that are kind of involved in the, in the front line, so to speak, marketing and sales. And they will be typically be able to give you. A much better idea of, of the challenges that your company's facing in the market, who your competitors are, and, and what what your company's trying to accomplish, and, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing is is
1: that if, if you have the uh, gumption to go up and start be start talking to folks who are director, VP level, and stuff like that, and asking them these sorts of questions, uh, you will show up on their radar, <laughs> right? And I think you know part of your career development is uh, you don't get promoted if you don't get recognized, um, whether by your peers or by your management. And uh, and I think that's an important aspect. Um, we as engineers, uh, we have a tendency not to toot our own horns very often. We just sort of think the work speaks for itself, and um, you know, that's not always the case. And it's a really hard thing to get get past because it's never been something I've been particularly comfortable with. It's sort of like okay, I've, I've done my work, and that should be good enough on its own. The problem is, is that main people upstream don't necessarily have the technical chops to assess whether you did a good job or not, right? Outside of the customer feedback or, or, you know, your, your colleagues feedbacks. And so that's, that's a hard thing to learn how to do. And, uh, you know, by doing these simple sort of steps, it definitely puts you on people's radars of saying, Hey, you know, um, you know, Scott's really paying attention to, you know, and was coming up and asking some really interesting questions. And I was able to give him some stuff. And, and, you know, he was able to go back and actually, you know, pushed through some changes within his team and organization that really helped me,
0: Um, people remember that. Yeah, absolutely. And I I do agree that a lot of times, those of us in IT do have a hard time with that that level of self promotion, we kind of feel like, oh, you know, we're just making a bigger deal out of it is and that we should be able to stand on the quality of our work. And and that's and that should be enough. But a lot of times, as you point out, it, it is not. So this is Fantastic information. Very, very useful. I want to, I want to circle back a little bit to something we've, we've danced around a little bit, and that is the topic of career development and not just your own career, but also, you know, in your role, you're, you're looking at how do I manage career development for people who are on my team, for people who I, who I manage. Um, can you, can you talk about that a little bit? yeah so I mean without getting to too much specifics right <laughs>
1: but, Of but uh, of course but yeah but the, i i think the the challenge um for anyone who's wor- who's been an individual contributor and has then been asked to walk into a management role or been blessed with it but uh, uh with uh, with without much consent on their own <laughs> right <laughs> you, there are skills that you're gonna have to add to 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 make sure that you're doing a, a good job and um and everyone wants to you know to to do the best that they can, and i think uh the reality is Um, you will have to spend time doing learning around this to to build skills around it. And then in addition, uh, I I think you're going to realize that it's going to steal away from some of the impact time of your technical skill sets that you focus on day to day. So probably all of us um, uh, spend a certain amount of time investing in our own career of learning new technologies, uh, spending time reading up and keeping up on all those materials. You will sacrifice a portion of that in order to get better in this net new skill set. And, uh, it's, uh, something I still haven't come to terms with even for myself. Um, it's, it's, it's very frustrating because I feel like I just spend more and more time, uh, because I'm trying to keep up on the technical stuff also. And I, I still feel like I want to be a good technical contributor. But the reality is, is that to make sure that you're doing a good job from a leadership standpoint, um, and from a team standpoint, right? You want to, you want to operate as a team too. You really need to work on those specific management aspects of saying, what do, you know, every, every person who's on your team is an individual, um, and probably has career goals. And can you take, can you sit down and and talk with them, map those career goal sets out? Uh, and they probably, they may have not put a lot of time or thought into it. So it's often, it's often doing tactical work of like, let's structurally put some stuff together to sort of document that. And then in addition, talk about the strategic stuff. What are you really interested in as an individual? And can you get all of that to line up in puzzle pieces for what you need to build as a team? And then identify the gaps, hopefully bring those back to your management team, say, we either need to invest and have these individuals learn additional skills, or I need to make a hire, or we need to sit down and, and make some hard decisions about, you know, am I over leveraged in one area, and not another? And can I, you know, you know, maybe do a staff swapping with, with a different team in order to get the skill sets that are required to make sure that your team can function the way it needs to. Those are all really hard decisions. Um, you know, uh, they're, they're things that, um, uh, require a lot of time working with your management team, and there are things that uh, don't necessarily um, uh, don't necessarily come automatically to people who spend a lot of time as an individual contributor because you 're not spending a lot of time thinking about um, you may do it from the uh, maybe a technology solution of like I fit in this particular area and i'm solving this particular problem, but you don't necessarily think about it in the same way as like we're trying to build a skill set for our business to be able to go solve this particular problem so maybe you're all Maybe your entire application team is really excited about doing stuff with containers, with Docker or LXC, LXE or whatever it's going to be, and you identify that as a gap within your the skill set of your team. I think that is, is something where you sit down and you say, okay, do I have a certain number of individuals who are senior who could learn this quickly and could be efficient at it? Do we require consultings to come in to teach us this? Can I send people to training? Or do I need to make a strategic hire? And those are all management-related decisions that go on Making a strategic hire may not be the right answer because if your team is 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 really desiring learning this themselves, you make a strategic hire in that area, they may feel like you're robbing them of the opportunity to go learn this net new skill set that they may be qualified to learn. And so there's all sorts of, you know, politics and dynamics and what's the personality and temperament of all the individuals that are working on your team that sort of you need to come together and sort of figure that out. And uh, you know that's understanding personality traits. That's understanding the skill sets of where everyone is at. Being honest with them about where their skill sets are at, which is a whole different part of you know being brutally honest with people about where their engineering skills lie, and can you assess them appropriately? That's that's a whole different challenge. I think you know um, we get to we get the opportunity to see um, you know travel around and see a lot of different conferences, a lot of different speakers, and a lot of people that are you know sort of their technical <laughs> excellence within their within their particular area. <laughs> But how do you know that? We sort of intrinsically know it from seeing people who are who are good at doing their work. But how do you go about building real measurements and metrics to be able to determine that? And then how do you give that feedback back to your employees and, and your team members to say, you're improving on this. We need to spend more time on this to, to make you better at that particular area. And then having them articulating in such a way that it's it's not negative. It's saying, we're trying to improve overall but we still have the skill gap so we're really going to hire to bring in for that particular skill gap but hopefully we can use that to to you know rising tides you know will uh will uh, you know float everyone's boat and hopefully get cross learning and, and cross education and i think that's uh that's a challenge for for someone who's in a position and you may have other constraints, financial constraints, you can't afford to hire someone else, or you can't pay for that consulting service, or maybe you can't pay for that education. You have to provide alternate ways for them to learn, uh, alternate opportunities, and maybe it's meetups, maybe it's other things that you have to do. Those are all hard things, and you're doing this for a bunch of other individuals, including yourself, and then trying to explain upstream to management what you're up to besides the fact that you should be doing some sort of technical contribution too, which is a... I think a mistake, I mean, you need to set expectations with your management team early on about how much time it's going to take you to ramp up. And you probably have no idea. So I just flat out tell them 50% of my time, I don't know, maybe more is going to be taking the ramp up. This was a hard thing for me to learn the first, the first year that I spent transitioning over to this. Um, I spent way more time trying to figure this stuff out than I probably should have, but, uh, but you just have to invest to make that, make that happen. And it's a whole new skill set, um, whole new wheelhouse. But I think it's a good thing if you if you want to take that career career direction of going into management. I think it's useful also as an individual contributor to understand what your management team's trying to do for you, and maybe your expectations of what they should be doing for you too, uh, so that you know when you're in a good environment that's supporting you. And those are important things to really sort of know and understand. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be
0: quiet now because that was a lot. <laughs> well, that that was a lot. Agreed, but it was all very very useful, and I, I particularly like that last part. I think that a lot of, I don't know if I would say a lot. Uh, Actually, I don't know if I would uh, have any idea. I'm just guessing here because I don't have any metrics on the podcast. But I think that a lot of listeners are probably more on the individual contributor track. Um, Just by sheer volume, you're going to have more of those than you are going to have managers. And I think it's really, really important to to have someone like yourself who has made that transition from an individual contributor to a management track and can share – what it looks like and that you know hey look just because you've asked your manager to go to this particular training or attend this particular conference or learn this particular skill set and it hasn't happened yet you know it's not that he or she is out to get you or that they hate you or you know that it's the evil corporate empire or whatever the case may be. There's all kinds of dynamics in place here. And so really what it comes down to, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ed, is that communication is really, really important. Open, honest, transparent communication, both upstream to your management team. And then if you are that that management team, downstream to the, the team members of letting them know, this is what's going on. This is what we're trying to accomplish for you. This is what the business requires. This is what we're trying to do in the industry or in the market. This is how you know we're trying to get ahead, and this is where all the pieces fit together. Yep, that's spot on. Okay, cool, cool. Thanks. So uh, I don't want to take up too much uh, more of your time or of the listeners' time, but I was just curious. Kind of looking back on this transition, and speaking from your own experience and your own advice, is there anything that you would have done differently? You know, like potholes you would have avoided or resources you would have used or things you would have not used because they totally threw you off uh, that listeners may be able to say, okay, I I may need to make this transition as well. That's, that's very useful, you know, kind of guidance for me. So looking back, I would spend two to three
1: to four times more time face to face with my team members. The first time I went through and took on this role in the first three to four months, mm-hmm. um, I, th- I think you're. I was such in such a habit of being an individual contributor, being really technically good at what I was doing, and feeling comfortable with that. And I think the reality is is uh, it's very hard to switch gears. Um, it's very hard to make a make that sort of change. You, and uh, I was very fortunate. I, I have absolutely wonderful team members who are who are awesome and 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 technically very good at what they do, and and senior and. Definitely knew how to continue doing what they were doing and, and, you know, knock it out of the park and, and do an awesome job. Uh, that was a complete luxury on my part, yeah. <laughs> right? I, I, I can imagine that that's not always going to be the case for many people who make that transition. And you may have all the way from junior individuals all the way to very senior individuals. And, and, and I think face to face time with, with people to make sure that they understand that, uh, you have, um, empathy and some compassion and you have, um, you know, their best interests at heart in terms of both their career development, their technical development, um, where they fit within the organization, their importance and worth. Those are all important things to do. And I think we forget that, um, that, um, face to face time and, and, uh, providing, you know, tangible, actionable feedback very quickly about what they're doing well and what they're doing poorly are all things that, uh, um, you know, traditionally, I never really had to worry about. I only had to worry about myself, and then you know, um, if, if if it was required, going over and fixing behavior from someone else to make sure I got what I needed in order to get my project done. Right, which is very typical for how engineers sort of deal and tackle with problems. And uh, as opposed to saying, "Hey, we're all in the boat; we all need to row together." Your your role does change, and and you need to make sure that uh, you know you're all rowing together to get a <coughs> common goal done. And I think when you make a transition into a net new role, that face-to-face time with, with team members is really, really important. Um, uh, they may know you already really, really well, but I think uh, investing that extra time, I, I would have, I, I think if I would go back and tap myself on the shoulder, it would have been spend a little, a little bit more time in the office, a little bit more time with off-sites, a little bit more time with, with your team members, working and collaborating together to make sure that, uh, it, that things are going in the direction you would like. And uh, if I could if I could correct that, I probably would. I think that would be a really important thing for anyone to take away. Um, because, uh, with uncertainty and, and net new manager is uncertainty, right? Um, with uncertainty comes, you know, trepidation about how they feel about where they, where they fit. And, uh, and I think you wanted to try and alleviate
2: that. And I wish I had done a better job with that one. Okay. Okay. Thanks for, thanks for for sharing that. That was, that was very useful. And, I would, I would I really agree anything, that uh, uh, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's a, there's there's a lot, really lot of great points here for, 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 for both sides of the fence. If, you if you're out there listening or you, you are a manager, manager mm-hmm. that's, yeah, great, that's very, very practical. practical. Advice that FaceTime, FaceTime is enforced especially if manager, manager. you've, got, yeah, team you've got team members that, that that you know you know you you you're, you're, you're responsible, responsible for them. them Having the FaceTime and and demonstrating a you know, share of care as individuals, and and these these members team members team team members. members that you're looking you're out for them, them. them and helping them get their job done, and you know you're all all together. I guess is absolutely critical. I've been in teams where you didn't have a lot of that, and it makes a difference when when you're you're your manager and your guy that guy out work out you're reporting is there and mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. are there, mm-hmm. there and you can call them if you need to. Need to. And on the flip side, as an individual contributor, if you are out there and, and that's you are know, listening and that's who you are, then there's there's also this this one thing that I really want to pull out there, and you were talking about, you know, as engineers we often get locked into getting our job done instead of saying, Hey, we're all in the same boat and we
0: all need to row together. And actually I would I would encourage everyone and and I think this is one of the things that I keep hammering uh, when I do conversations at, at events and conferences and, and talking with people is that it doesn't matter whether you're a manager or an individual contributor, you know, we, we all need to be thinking about this, this idea of it's not just us ourselves that we, we need to look out for. It's, it's the rest of the team too. You know, we need to be showing empathy and compassion to our team members, to our colleagues Um, and saying, you know, rather than pointing the finger and saying that this is not my problem, this is your problem, you know, Hey, this is our problem. Now, what can we do to fix it? You know, what can I do to help you? What can you do to help me? What can we do to work together to get this thing resolved again in the context of, you know, how are we, how are we working to, to solve problems for the business?
2: Yeah, I
1: think, I think the industry is changing overall in that way. Maybe, you know, from a technical aspect, maybe this is manifested in like, you know, blameless Porsche modem, Porsche modem, uh, um, sort of, uh, Mindset of saying, hey, you know, let's just figure out what went wrong. Let's not worry about who, who, who did it. I, there are times when it is appropriate to say, hey, you just <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't do that again. But, uh, but you know, occasionally it's, it's, uh, I, I think the mass majority of the time it's, Hey, hey, what was broken in our process that even allowed this to happen? And I think that blameless part is, is what's happening in the industry overall. That is a trend that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe that's manifest on the other side too, on the management side, but yeah, I, I completely agree. That's, the, those are good things to do, and it's it's always good to have more collaboration and communication. And you know maybe that's why the rise in popularity of all these different communication channels are are becoming more and more important uh, within this ecosystem. And certainly Slack allows for for a lot of that. So just the the ecosystem of products that are being developed today really maybe uh, are bent around that mind, mindset and focus.
0: Yeah, but I think it, I agree with you. Um, but I think you know we we need to go back and kind of restate that. Both for individual contributors and for those in management, none of those collaboration tools are going to replace FaceTime. Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, it would say FaceTime. We're not talking about you know the Apple thing. We're talking about you know actual interpersonal direct communications, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's important. I think the other the other way to do that, if you're fortunate enough to have a, a, a company that understands the value of attending conferences, some of the well-known conferences, you know, going with your team members and, and assigning out tasks and having that time. Away from the office, away from the day to day business grind, Uh, you you always have technical things that come up and you have to answer calls, etc. But that that time to really get to know each other um, around a technical topic uh, builds, you know, sort of trust uh, and it builds, uh, you know, a feeling of, a bit of a feeling of tribe, right? And that, uh, those are important aspects of, of being successful. And then you want to do the same thing upstream, which is when, you know, I was always very cynical about the whole overall, you know, corporate get together thing, right? For the, the company overall, you know, it's like, Hey, it's not a big deal if I miss the, uh, you know, know, the Christmas party or something like that. But that is their opportunity to build, you know, the, the company tribe of, of, of being members on, uh, in a company together and working on a common goal. And often, you know, sales kickoffs and quarterly meetings and, you know, uh, you know, all, all those other things they work on are to do exactly that. And I think sometimes we, um, as engineers are sort of like, ah, you know, I don't have to bother attending that or, you know, I want to be antisocial for, for the day and, you know, uh, open yourself up a bit and, and reach out and do a little bit more on that side. will go a long way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and that's just, Absolutely well put. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and start wrapping things up. Um, Ed, is there uh, an online presence that you'd like to point listeners to, you know, Twitter, GitHub, website, blog, whatever, where they could uh, follow you or get updates from you? Sure. So I'm on Twitter as at e Horley. So it's
1: E-H-O-R-L-E-Y. So it's just first initial last name. And then um, my blog is actually uh, howfunky.com. So uh, just think how funky is your chicken, I guess. But, uh you know, <laughs> com is where I blog. I also blog uh, on IPv6 specifically, which is sort of unrelated, maybe my technical side. Uh, I also do a lot of uh, community blogging for Infoblox, so on com. And uh, there's a IPv6 center of excellence, so myself and Scott Hoag and Cricket Lou and Tom Coffeen are all madly blogging about IPv6 over there. So that's my... My my crazy technical hat. <laughs> uh, so I, I enjoy doing all of those, and and uh, I am on LinkedIn also. Uh, so feel free to to reach out. Uh, I don't know if there's anything interesting there. I, I sort of hide stock on LinkedIn. I don't spend as much time there, but definitely on Twitter, I'm pretty active.
0: All right, excellent. Thanks, thanks Ed, and thanks for really sharing some. Fabulous, fantastic insight with, with the listeners about this transition from individual contributor to manager uh, of some of the challenges that you face in, in making that transition and some of the really, the the, the very, very val- valuable takeaways that anybody can get out of that, whether they are also making that transition or whether they are still on the individual contributor track and, and, and dealing with managers and management teams and, and corporations. So I think there's some really practical, useful information that we've shared with the listeners today. So I really appreciate that Listeners, uh, once again, thanks for, for joining us. Uh, my name is Scott Lowe. If you'd like to find me on the internet, you can find me on Twitter as at Scott underscore Low. Um, uh, active there, perhaps too active. I also blog at blog.scottlowe.org. Um, the website for the podcast, fullstackjourney.com, will have uh, show notes from this episode and you'll uh, be able to um, get to any resources that Ed may also recommend. And we, we appreciate you joining us. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm.